shootouts, armed guards, stolen water, murders. This isn't a scene from a Wild West film. This is what's happening in California's desert right now, thanks to illegal marijuana farms. Though marijuana cultivation is legal in California, drug cartels and out-of-state growers have set up over a thousand of them among Joshua trees and protected tortoise reserves. They continue to bloom because the crop goes to states where cannabis remains illegal or gets churned into products on sale throughout the Golden State. Now, desert residents, law enforcement, and politicians are saying enough. But is it too late? I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. Dozens are dead in South Africa in the wake of protests sparked by the arrest of former President Jacob Zuma. California Governor Gavin Newsom signs the largest relief bill in the state's history, $100 billion. And MJ Rodriguez makes history as the first transgender performer to receive an Emmy acting nomination in a major category. If you haven't seen Pose on FX already, folks, do it, do it, do it. Today, we hear from my LA Times colleague Jacqueline Cosgrove about the growth of black market marijuana in California's desert and how that affects industry nationwide. And we speak to a small town politician trying to stop the degradation of life and the environment in his community. When California voters approved the ballot initiative in 2018 to legalize marijuana, backers predicted a simultaneous boom for the state's economy and a clampdown on the violence long associated with growing and selling drugs. Instead, the opposite has happened. The state legislature recently approved a $100 million plan to help struggling legal vendors and growers. Studies have shown illegal dispensaries continue to outnumber legal ones. And all sorts of crimes, murders, human trafficking outright slavery are happening at illegal pot farms as more continue to sprout up. Jacqueline Cosgrove covers Los Angeles County government for the Los Angeles Times. They, along with our colleague Luis Sahagun, recently did a deep dive into the matter. Jacqueline, welcome to the Times. Thank you so much for having me. First, describe the area where all these illegal grows are happening. Joshua Tree, Antelope Valley, Lake Los Angeles. What's the landscape out there look like? I mean, essentially, you know, once you can spot one of these grows, you can spot any of them. So you're just driving along in the desert, this two-lane highway near Parablossom or Nenac or really anywhere in the Antelope Valley. And you look out into the desert and you'll see a greenhouse that is probably an illegal marijuana grow. And so you'll just see like this expansive desert and then like boop, 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 there like are all the grows. One resident described them as like little caterpillars on the foothills. They'll use like the topography also to like hide the grows. And so I think they also kind of scout locations where they can use like a dip in the desert to hide. But then they also will dig out these huge mounds of earth to also hide the grows behind these big berms. It's really fascinating, but they really are everywhere.
that wasn't always the case, of course. In fact, not really until after 2018. That's when California voters passed Proposition 64. It legalized marijuana use for adults and allows felony possession convictions to be knocked down to a misdemeanor. Historically, California's illegal marijuana farms were all the way up in Northern California in Redwood Country in a place called the Emerald Triangle. Why did growers start relocating to the desert? I've been told by authorities that some of these folks, a lot of them actually, they were growing marijuana in Mexico. And then as one authority was talking about how you have these different kind of marijuana connoisseurs who really want like high quality product. And so people stopped wanting the lower quality stuff that was being grown in Mexico. And so a lot of the folks crossed the border and moved here to grow higher quality stuff. So if they get caught, it's just going to be a fine and a little bit of jail time. And then they just, you know, set up shop right back where they were. (laughs) And then you also have local people who are like, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of money while I can. You know, if I get arrested for a misdemeanor, oh, well, like I'm making thousands and thousands of dollars in the meantime. And and there's not enough enforcement to really like fear that you'll be busted. California voted to legalize marijuana in 2016, but it's still illegal to sell or grow marijuana in unincorporated L.A. County. That said, the penalties aren't much if you get caught doing it either. This legal wrinkle irks law enforcement officials like L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva. He and others say it just motivates people to go the illegal route instead of the far more expensive legal one. The risk is very, very low and the reward is very, very high for people that are engaged in illegal marijuana grows and illegal dispensaries. Because by removing all the consequences for not conforming to the law, we've created this massive industry that's now We counted 500 from the air, 500 illegal greenhouses. In fact, one site alone had 74 greenhouses on a 10-acre plot. It grew from 150 in 2020 to 500 in 2021. We'll have more after this break. So, Jacqueline... Law enforcement officials that you and Lewis spoke to likened any crackdown on these illegal grows to whack-a-mole, you know, that old carnival game where you knock one down and it pops up later and now there's more of them. A number of California Republican Congress members, including Mike Garcia, whose district is where a lot of these illegal grows are happening, they've called on U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to help do something about the problem. What specifically are they asking for? You know, it's hard to tell specifically what they want You know, it seems like they want some level of federal enforcement, but that feels legally tricky with California's current laws that are on the books. And so it seems like maybe they're wanting the federal government to come and enforce like the federal uh, marijuana laws. Um, But it's unclear in the letter exactly what they're wanting. You know, honestly, officials are really just trying to get their arms around this, like the best way they can. And so they're going to ask for everything. LA County is going to start trying to do destruction orders where they're able to just come in and destroy the whole grow. Because right now that's complicated because a lot of these people are squatting on the land. They are not there legally. And like the landowners don't even know there's a grow on their land because they bought the property as an investment in the desert and they've never actually seen it. Other people are leasing the land. So the owners know that they're there and are just making money while the money is good. And so what the county wants to do is go in and just destroy the whole thing. And right now that's hard to do because 
folks still have rights to their property. So, you know, I think these federal officials are just trying to like show their constituents that they are trying to go down every avenue to try to help. And that's one of the problems that is happening out in the desert, just this hodgepodge of agencies and owners. You know, you, you have a lot of these grows are in unincorporated L.A. County, but also in San Bernardino County, also on public lands like the Angeles Natural Forest. And one of the things that I found interesting about the story that you and Lewis did was that everyone says that it's kind of like the Wild West out here, but everything will change as the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, comes in. So why hasn't the DEA come in yet? The DEA is funding the... L.A. County Sheriff's Department's enforcement. They are giving the Sheriff Department money to do these busts. But one of the problems is that the Sheriff's Department, because of the workload they have, they're doing all of this work on overtime. And there is a federal rule that you can only get so much federal money when it's you're doing overtime. L.A. County Sheriff's Department, they hit that overtime cap and then they can't do any more bust. And so that's one of the problems. The DEA says, we have plenty of money to give you. It's just this overtime cap. So that's like one of the things that officials are trying to do is see if they can temporarily suspend the overtime cap. The second answer to your question is that the DEA is very focused on fentanyl and meth because those drugs are, you know, actively killing people at a much higher rate. You know, we have people overdosing on fentanyl and other opiates every single day. And so, you know, when I was talking to the DEA, they're saying, if we're given 20 more agents, it's not going to go to illegal marijuana grows. They see it as much smaller of an issue, even though if you look at the, the landscape, it looks like such a large issue because it is for a lot of people. Are residents out there in the desert, are they strict prohibitionists? In other words, we just want all marijuana out of our communities or are their issue more is, you know, just regulation that these unregulated ones, they're the ones who are bringing the problems while the regulated ones are the responsible citizens, so to speak. You know, Gustavo, one of the things I love about going to the desert is that a lot of the people who live out there are like your live and let live kind of people. They're living out in the desert because they want a quiet life. And so as long as you're not bothering them, then they're not going to bother you and it's all going to be good. But it's a real range of political ideologies on how folks feel about marijuana. Some people are saying no way, no how, regardless of whether it's legal, just get it out of here. But then there's other folks who, you know, they want to see the county come in with some guidelines, some policies about how marijuana can be grown legally in unincorporated L.A. County, specifically in the desert, so that that money can go to their schools and into law enforcement. You know, and a lot of these school districts, you know, out in the desert, they're very small. And so an influx of cash would be huge for the students. You know, they could do special programs and all kinds of things they don't have the money for. So it's a real range. But right now, I would say, regardless of how a resident feels about marijuana, they're frustrated. And in the meanwhile, these illegal farms continue to grow and grow. Thank you so much for this interview, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Coming up, we'll talk to one of those frustrated residents and hear what he thinks L.A. County should do to crack down on illegal marijuana farmers and actually reap the benefits of legal cultivation in his desert community. Stay tuned.
Illegal marijuana grows in Los Angeles County also pose serious consequences to a fragile desert landscape. They draw millions of gallons of water from neighboring farms and aquifers without permission. And they use pesticides that can contaminate groundwater supplies and cause even more environmental devastation. Congressman Mike Garcia flew above the area in a helicopter with the LA County Sheriff's Department back in April. Here he is during a press conference. And what I can tell you is that after that short flight in an hour and a half, I was absolutely heartbroken by what I saw. Hundreds, if not thousands, of these illegal nurseries throughout our desert. They're stealing our water. In many cases, Pear Blossom they're is one on such our place. land. It's a small town, each home to about 2,500 people in the Mojave Desert. gallons of water each day to keep alive. Uh, and these folks were literally taking and stealing out of our aqueducts or buying from the local vendors millions of gallons of water per day. Not surprisingly, illegal marijuana is beginning to change life for longtime residents in these desert communities. Pear Blossom is one such place. It's a small town, home to about 2,500 people in the Mojave Desert. Chris Minsel is the president of the town council there. So Chris, I've described the area you live in in previous columns that I've written as Bonanza Country. That was a Wild West television show back in the days, youngsters. Big vistas, small communities, horses, neighbors helping each other. Is that about how you'd describe life in Pear Blossom? I would say you're right on the nail with that one. From borrowing a cup of sugar to a flake of hay to a wheelbarrow because yours just broke. Yeah, we're all pretty tight. We're a old school country, bonanza style town to what it's come up to now. Uh, we've had a lot of city folk from Los Angeles come down who want to seek the country life and uh, we welcome them as long as they don't leave their lights on at night. Other than that, our little town's changed quite a bit. It's always affected by the large city hustle and bustle and we feel the effects of what happens in the city. It spills over here out into the desert. So Chris, when did you start noticing illegal marijuana farms move into the desert? Come around the end of last year, one started popping up, two started popping up. Come around January and we were having one, two, three pop up a day. And, and I'm not talking about your mama's greenhouse in the backyard. I'm talking about a greenhouse that's bigger than most people's living arrangements. I mean, these things are gigantic and you can smell them. I mean, the wind blows predominantly towards the east, but we got those Santa Anas coming in. Woo, the whole town smells like it. They came in waves, and when I said they came in waves, they came in waves. They're not shy about doing what they're doing. So you don't have a problem with legal marijuana cultivation, right? Just the illegal type. We've been asking for a really, really long time for a regulated market. So we have a lot of people who, who want to either get their medicine or have their weekend fun, and our county has not provided that even though we've asked and asked and years and years have gone by. So it's allowed this black market. We're not getting any of those tax dollars towards my kids. My town doesn't want to defund any police because we only have one cop for our whole entire area. And that's just not Perry Blossom. That's the whole entire Northeast County. So all these guys out here know that. So they're out there driving around in illegal cars, trailers, homemade trailers, overweighted vehicles. So it's, it's actually made the road a little scary to drive on because these guys are rushing to get their water for their plants, rush, get the water, whether they're still in the water, buying the water. I've heard stories about people who are so hard up selling water from their own faucet at just, you know, pennies above what they had to pay just to make a few bucks. I mean, I was on my way to take my daughters to summer school and some idiot in an overweight vehicle who couldn't handle it 
almost hit us. And he couldn't stop because it was just too heavy. These guys are so frantic to get their water that they're willing to put 10,000 pounds on a trailer that can handle, what, 6,000? That's dangerous, man. That's super dangerous. One of the problems, as you see it, Chris, is that L.A. County, three years after marijuana legalization in California, still makes it next to impossible to allow legal cultivation. What have you tried to do in your capacity as president of the Pear Blossom Council to push the county on that? So as a town council, just so everybody understands, we live in the unincorporated area. So our town councils are more like advisory boards to our supervisor. And Catherine Barger's is listened. That's Los Angeles County Supervisor Catherine Barger. And um, I don't know where she stands 100%, but I know there's four other ladies that sit on that board. They want to take the money for the county. If we grow and we allowed people to grow in pear blossom commercially, well, we would want a regular market that would look like this. You would have about 10 grows, 10 permits with the X amount of dollars. And then those dollars would have to stay within the pear blossom area. They couldn't go to the rest of the county. They don't care. It is not on their priority list. We're just a bunch of hicks in the sticks. You know, we're sick of it. Most of us work in Los Angeles and we like to live in our small, quiet towns. If we have the opportunity to make a decision for our community, why don't our supervisors listen to us? How are we California, let alone Los Angeles, and we are so far behind in cannabis management? It's embarrassing. It's still like the wild, wild west. And that's not cool. This past April, Congressman Mike Garcia, whom you heard earlier, he held a town hall meeting to hear from residents of these desert communities. People who've watched after one illegal weed grow after another sprouted up literally in their backyards. Outside a community center with the winds blowing really hard, people vented their frustration. <laughs> Why can't a policeman just drive up and say, you have to shut this down? Obviously they're not doing it. It doesn't seem to me it takes a task force to have the cops roll up and go shut it down. And one cop going to, they ain't going to do it. All right, send three or four. Yeah. Obviously, they're not worried about it. So, Chris, you attended that meeting. Yeah, I went there and I listened to Mr. Garcia. I felt like he was doing more of a campaign pitch to, to try to, you know, whoa, tough old marijuana. And how is that going to help my people? We need a regulated industry. Otherwise, we're going to still end up with black market. If you want to help the people, help us get a real regulated market. Catherine Barger, same thing for you and the other four supervisors. Mr. Garcia, thank you for busting everybody. Thank you for getting that trash out of the desert. But you're not helping us if we don't end up with a regulated industry. And that's just the bottom line. We need to take our heads out of our butts and smell some fresh air take a good breath, and get to work. Chris, do you know who these growers are, these illicit growers? I don't think there's any really hard locals from my town, but I think that there's people who are being forced into this who are either given propositions to either you know pay a house off or people who are a little desperate. But most of the ones that I've seen driving through the desert, they're just regular looking folks. They'll wave at you. A couple of them, you'll see kids out there playing but we have a mad respect for our desert. And these guys don't. They're plowing over 100-year-old Joshua trees, ripping out creosote bushes, disturbing the soil. Uh, but I have seen guys out there with machine guns, and that's why I don't 
drive to two different parts of my community anymore because they just kind of have that little corner tucked in and we don't really go there anymore. Um, we know that we only have one cop and we know the criminals know we only have one cop. You know, we just do the right thing and just drive a little bit further the other way. <laughs> Thank you so much for this interview, Chris. You're welcome. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, we learn about legislation in California that would require reparations to women who were sterilized without their consent. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Stephen A. Cuevas, and Denise Guerra. Our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Shawnee Hilton. Our intern is Ashley Brown. And our theme music is by Andrew Eben. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. <laughs>